0: Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey.
1: Yes, we can't say it enough. Thank you for joining us on this great holiday weekend. Yeah, there we go. I'm Pastor Blake. And uh, thank you for joining us online as well. I love extended family. Uh, I love this uh, holiday weekends because you get to spend some more time with your family. Uh, and uh, one of the things we like to do as a family is find one of those unique shows. And there's this show called Alone. Uh, if you're familiar with it, it's the concept of they take ten strangers, okay, who are wilderness experts, and they place them out in the wild all by themselves. They give them 10 items, okay? And so they go through this whole process, and the the idea of this competition is to see who can last the longest in this Complete wilderness scene. There's nothing around. They have to learn to hunt. They have to learn to fish. They're eating certain kinds of plants. It's pretty epic. It's, it's very interesting. So my boys, they, they kind of lean in and they start watching and they're fascinated by the show. They're like, Dad, what are they eating, man? And they're like kind of confused. Like, Dad, can we go eat the grass outside? I'm like, no, boys, no. Now being brothers, they like to compete a little bit. And my youngest, he's like, I can outlast you outside, Bodie. And it's like, okay, calm it down. And so I'm like, fellas, this is what we can do. Actually tonight, I'll send you guys outside in the woods out here in Florida and see who can last the longest. They're instantly like, dad, we don't wanna do that. It's too hot, there's bugs, you know? And so you're like, I got a couple tough guys. And then together, they're like, Dad, we know one thing. We for sure can outlast you. And I'm like, whoa, talk about a breach of manhood right there. So this show's pretty epic, but what's fascinating about the show alone is, is it's not the physical turmoil that they go through. It's not this, they, they can't hunt or fish. So that's some of it, but the contestants... They wrestle and struggle the most with being alone. They're missing their families. Almost every person, every segment that you see is this, oh, I miss my kids, I, I miss my children, and they're playing for half a million dollars. And to whatever extent that that might be in their life, how might that change their life, they still be like, I'll give it up to be back united with their families And their loved ones. See, the irony of the whole show is this that you and I are not wired to be alone, but to be united. That's important for us to understand. That's important for us to grasp. Now, we see early on in Acts chapter 4, the very first thing things that are happening in the church that are taking place in the early church is that when the Christian church is united, the landscape forever changes. Now, this is what the, the people outside of the church would like you to think, that you can be united with someone who doesn't know God versus someone that does know God the truth that's sometimes what we don't like to maybe step into or or talk about is this. The church is called to be united together, brothers and sisters in Christ. Apart from that, the secular worldview will never see the way a follower sees. See, our understanding first begins with a biblical concept, and then we go from there. The secular understanding, someone who's maybe far from God, who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus, likes to think that we can unite over certain actions and certain causes and God, guns, and country, and the truth be told, those things, though some might be real for you, don't unite us. Only Jesus can unite us so the church we call today united sunday and acts chapter 4 verse 32 is where we're going to look at where we see a group of believers come together all the believers were united in heart that means the spiritual of their the spirituality of their activity and mind so they're united in heart and mind the way they're thinking and what they were doing and they felt that they owned, they, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. And in other words, there's this understanding of being united under their activity of worship and praise and, and learning about Jesus and who he was in their life that it so connected them in a way nothing else could. And then there's this understanding that not everything, that the, everything they had, not one item, they wouldn't be able to give up for the need of the greater good. This, this all-encompassing mentality of unity. See, the big idea that I want to talk to you about today is this. Simply this, that unity brings opportunity. You can write that down. Unity brings opportunity. The greatest opportunity. When a church comes together and it's united, brothers, sisters, people from different backgrounds, upbringings come together, man, it is a powerful force. But even when we look at unity overall and how it connects with our life and what we go through, let me just highlight a few things of where it matters to be united in God's ideal ways. First, God's ideal is this, that we're united lifelong in marriage. And that the happiest people that we are, husbands and wives, is that we hang in to that marriage. Now we get that it can be difficult, we know that it can be trying, but check out some research that came out by a, name of, by a lady named Linda Wade. There's research showing that if you wanna be happily married in five years, you might as well stay married. Now, I know some of you are like, well, Pastor Blake, you popped some bubbles right there, okay? But here he goes. She, this lady, Linda, she studied 645 unhappily married people. She surveyed them at the start while reporting marital unhappiness. And then again, five years later, she compared two groups, spouses who stayed together and spouses who divorced. After the five-year period, 66% of spouses who initially said that they were unhappy and decided to stay together reported that they were now happy again. Compared to 19% who said that they were unhappy and decided to get divorced said that they were happy again. Overwhelming stats that prove no matter what you're going through in your marriage, try your best, do what God's ideal is for that relationship, stay united in your marriage. I'm a huge sports fan. Last week, we had the College World Series where we saw Ole Miss beat Oklahoma to win the national championship. Here's the irony in the whole, the whole team and the whole tournament. Ole Miss wasn't even expected to make the tournament. Yet they got in one of the last few teams chosen, and yet they united around a purpose, around some senior leadership, and what they did was remarkable, and they went on to win the whole thing. They beat the odds because a team came together. They were united. United companies reached target goals, even though they might not have the most talented people. United families are God's ideal plan for us. I want to continue to encourage you, do whatever you have to do to stay connected, to bring your family together, because according to the most recent census, children in married households are least least likely to end up in poverty. Now, you and I both know we're not perfect people. We don't always measure up to God's ideals. We don't always measure up to what's asked of us. We make mistakes. We have problems. We have situations that occur in our life. But what we can do is to do our best to say, hey, I'm going to live united in the ways and the avenues God asks me to. So today I want to talk to you about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 is where we look by this man named Paul. He is writing to address some church issues that are taking place. Now, when he's writing to address the church, not only is it to the church, but it's also to people. It's to God's ideals of unity in the fabric of life. So join me there. Verse 10. I appeal to you. Dear brothers, he uses this term brothers 39 times because he really cares for this church, for this gathering. By the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Others are saying, I will follow Peter, or I will only follow Christ. Verse 13 continues, And has has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were you, any of you, baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, Paul recalls this moment. I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, and here's the unity of the church, but to preach the good news. To preach the good news. And not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. They're united, Paul is speaking, be united around preaching the good news. Church, we need to come together more than ever now to preach the good news. Not only preach, but live it out. To be people who are uh, saying, I, I'm following Jesus. What am I doing when I go outside of these walls to continue to follow Jesus? To be an example in our community. To live out not only the church inside these four walls, but to live outside of this four-wall building. I want to encourage you, whatever you're going through, whatever you face, to say you got brothers and sisters in Christ that want to unite around preaching the good news, the life change that Jesus brings. But before we dive in and look at what Paul just said about what brings in unity, we also want to touch on what actually can destroy unity. So the first one that Paul highlights is this. This is what can destroy unity, is quarrels, Corals are heated arguments over trivial matters. Now, if you're married in the place, you understand this one real clear. Um, the other day, I woke up. I, I wake up quite early, and uh, it's, it's still dark, and the lights are turned off, and I get up, and I, I'm walking through, and I, I trip over a pair of shoes. Uh, and I'm frustrated. Instantly, I'm like, whose shoes are left in the middle of the walkway, Right? So, I, uh, I, I harbor this for the next few, few minutes, to say the least, and my wife gets up. I see the shoes. I know they're her shoes, and, and I'm like, hey, we need to talk. You left your shoes in the middle of the walkway. I almost tripped. My life was at stake. I could have tripped. I could have fallen. My hand couldn't have maybe caught the wall, and then I maybe would have cracked my head, and everything would have been up in arm because you left your shoes in the middle of the walkway. So I'm, like, ready to, like, have this serious conversation with her. She's like, hey, you know, she wakes up so sweet. You know, she looks like an angel when she gets out of bed. I'm, like, hair crazy, everything, you know, like, whew. And I'm like, hey, Dar-. she's like, hey, darling, how are you? I'm like, well, Brittany, there's some serious issues happening in our house. You left your shoes in the middle of the walk. She's like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I ran upstairs. I had to get the baby and da-da-da. And I'm like, oh, man, like instantly you're feeling like a terrible individual, human being, husband fail. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I'll try to put him over here. And, and so I'm like, oh, man. About time she got it. You know, I'm still kind of angry. I'm like, I still need to express myself. So like a smart husband, I keep going. Yeah, but Brittany, you can't ever let that happen again. See, just going, it's kind of frustrating. So a week goes by, and if you know anything about who I am, I like shoes, sneakers, not, you know, like I'm a shoe guy. Um, And she sends me this video. She always sends me cute little videos that pick me up throughout the day. And she sends me this video, and she's like, hey, I hope you're having a good day. She's like, I'm just cleaning up the house a little bit. I'm picking up this shoe, this shoe, this shoe. And they're all images and video of her going through the house, picking up my shoes, putting them back in the closet. And she's like, I just love you. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm an awesome husband. You know, the thing is, we make mountains out of molehills. In the church, we happen to make mountains out of molehills. There's moments and there's been histories when you see in churches where people get frustrated because. The wall colors change. They get painted. or if you look in history, or, or maybe gu- guitars are now in, in service, and no, no," or, or, church, or pews have been swapped out for chairs, or stained glass has been replaced with window efficiency uh, 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 windows. And you look out and you say, "Does that really matter?" Paul' saying, "Does this really matter? Does this choral matter in the church?" See, the truth of the matter is if it doesn't help someone grow in a life-changing relationship with Jesus, then it doesn't really matter. Everything's on the table. I've learned in my life you have to hold life very loose script because you never know where God might take you, where God might lead you. Titus says this, or excuse me, 2 Timothy says, have nothing to do with foolish Or ignorant controversies you know that they breed that you know that they breed corals in other words if it is not life changing i'd be very cautious in how you proceed paul never says don't get in a fight don't express your opinion but he better he does address if you're going to express it you better make sure it's worth it husbands can i get an amen on that one the second one that Paul talks about what destroys unity is comparison. Comparison. We see this quite through we see this quite often through scripture. You look in first Corinthians chapter one and, and twelve, he says this is what's taking place in the church. He says, Some of you are saying I follow Paul, others are saying I follow Apollos, others are saying I follow Peter or Cephas. And the idea is this, that there's people that the church members are saying, oh, I like that teaching. I like that music over there. Oh, I love the way Pastor Chris got up here and prayed. Oh, man, he's dynamic, and he looks good with his perfect hair. And you get up here, and there's different things, and we become very consumeristic in some aspects. Paul's saying, don't compare. See, a lot of times we like to compare, right? Right? But comparison can destroy unity. You hop on social media, people are comparing, oh man, that family's always on vacation. Oh, that family, they look like they're so happy. Oh man, like I remember, you know, like man, my high school sweetheart is living over there and I wish I could live in that cool of place. Or maybe you're that person and and you drive up and maybe you're grabbing lunch or hanging out, meeting new people and they drive up in that nice truck and you come zipping through that parking lot with a minivan and you're like, man, I wish I could have that truck. It compares. See, Paul's saying that destroys unity because this is what comparison does. Either makes you feel like you're inferior or superior to the other person. That attitude destroys unity. Unity. You know, we live in a day and age now where it's like, I like this, I like that, I want this, and I'll go pursue that. But really, when it comes down to living united is saying, hey, I'm going to be thankful for what I have right now. I'm going to concentrate on what God's put in front of me. Galatians 6 through 4 and 5 says this, pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we each are responsible for our own conduct. We have to come to this understanding that we're not designed, we're not wired to compare, but we're wired to say, hey, God, am I living in companionship with you right now? I love how one author put it, a flower does not think of competing with the flower next to it. It just blooms. Sometimes we just gotta work on blooming looking pretty, doing what God's called us to do. And the third one that Paul touches on is arrogance. Before we, again, I can't say it enough, before we move into what is unity, we need to look at what destroys unity. So 1 Corinthians in 1.12, let me say it again real quick. It says, some of you are saying, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter. And then he adds this segment, or I follow only Christ. Now, many biblical scholars believe that Paul actually added, I follow only Christ, that there wasn't actually a group or a faction that was saying we only follow Christ, but what he was talking about is the religious arrogance. One of the greatest deterrents that someone can have when it comes to meeting Jesus is us taking a better than than or a holier than now approach to someone. Looking at our relationship or looking at our life very legalistic and saying, oh, I do all these things. I spend a couple hours in my word prayer. I go to church four times a month. I go on Wednesday midweek and we start calculating all these wins and then we look at everybody's losses and we start going back and forth and say, hey, I'm good. Like, I I got it all done. I understand the Bible. I took some Bible courses. I'm great. And we walk into the room and we have this arrogance that can place on Christians. Now more than ever in this season, in this culture, there are some things that I don't agree with, you don't agree with, that we see that are just voiced and loud at us. We have to come in with a humility so that we can speak, we can communicate, and we can live in life with people far from God and help them experience a life-changing message through Jesus. I think a lot of times we get on this high mighty horse and we look at around we look and we compare ourselves paul's saying it's not just this holier than now mentality but paul is saying god actually uses people to bring you in, that bring bring you into people's life or people to be brought into your life to humble us a little bit to coach us a little bit to teach us a little bit some people that you might not like right now In your personal circle might be teaching you the most about yourself you might be like oh man I'm I'm frustrated oh maybe you need to check our attitude see Paul's saying right now you can't just say oh I follow Jesus and I'm good he's saying you got to follow Jesus and you got to follow some authority you got to follow some guidelines you can't be this religious arrogant individual 1 Peter 4.18 says this, and it's quite kind of hits you in the face if you've been following Jesus for some time. It says this, and also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, and for he will never fail He will never fail. It's important that we look, that we address, and we see what's taking place. And remember, that's not what we've done, but it's what God's done for us. Keeping that posture and that mindset of humility. So today, for the rest of our time, I want to talk to you about how to live united. The first one is this. We need to agree to speak the same message. Agree to speak the same message. Now, you might be thinking, okay, how do I agree to speak the same message? We're, we're different and unique. When you look at the language, Paul is talking about this idea of harmony. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1.10. To live in harmony with each other. Now, I'm not musical, musically gifted at all. Many of you have been with us before. You've seen me sing, and it's pretty rough, right? Like, amen on that one. But when it comes to harmony, there's different parts in a harmony. You have maybe alto, soprano, you have bass, you have tenor, and we have these different parts. But when they're singing the same thing, it's sounding beautiful, though they're different. See, when a church comes together and we sing and we say the same thing, we sound beautiful, yet we're different. It's important that we look at that. It's important that we say, hey, you know what? There's some things that are different about you. There's some things that are different about me. But when we come together, we're going to rally around some of the same mission and concept that Jesus has given our church. James 3, 3 through 6 says this, A word out of the mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark. Remember to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin our world, turn harmony into chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right before the pit of hell. What we say matters. Church, that's why you hear me quite often and we say different things like, hey, we're a church that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want you to explore. We want you to grow in that area. We want to say, hey, we're a multi-generational church. We're a generous church. We're a church that believes that we're a bold church. We're a church that is a missions church. We believe in reaching people overseas, not just here in our backyard. We're a church that serves. We're committed to loving one another through whatever issues that we face with one another. We speak the same thing. And I would even encourage you to do that with your family. If you're a parent, grandparent, someone with influence, when you look and you address some areas of your life, you have to make sure that you're, you're teaching those that look up to you at a very early age of the why you do what you do. We do this thing every day going to school. We do the Hanson huddle. We put the fist in because men rock fists, not hands, fist. So we put the fist in and we say, all right, guys, we're gonna obey, we're gonna be kind, and we're gonna live for Jesus, right? Hanson's on three, one, two, three, Hanson's. So when my boys come and when they see it, they're like, hey, Dad, we understand that. I'm supposed to obey. And we speak it. We continue to speak it. Some of us, we need to ask ourselves, are you speaking in your life what you need to live out in your life? Are you coming together with your family? Are you praying with your spouse? Are you praying with your neighbors? Are you saying, hey, if you get in conflict with those closest to you, are you gonna go and tell all your friends? Or are you gonna say, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut you got to speak it out. It's this, this idea of harmonizing, knowing before the issue comes what we're going to say. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue can bring life, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. But to continue address, hey, am I prepared in what I'm going to say in my answers? The number two thing when it comes to living united is knowing this, that we need to evaluate our actions. Divisions are happening in the church of Corinth over small issues that maybe aren't being addressed, personalities, little issues that become large problems. See, if there's divisions in the church and people are not necessarily leading or talking and saying, hey, you know what, I'm gonna act appropriately, People who are observing us and our witness to our communities are going to say, "Why do I want to go there when they continue to act like that and raise a problem and, and a chasm with other people?" Titus 3:10 says this: "If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them." And that's pretty potent right there, right? For people like that to have turned away from the truth and their own sins, condemn them. It's this idea that Paul talks about that if someone's not living accordingly and how they should be and they're causing division in the church, that needs to be addressed. That needs to be talked about. Church, I'm not saying that this is happening in our church, but what I am addressing is this. Now more than ever, you are being pushed, you're being prodded. Choose this side, choose that side, and really the only umbrella we need to worry about falling under is Jesus' name. It's saying, hey, I don't care about, hey, right, left, it's are you a liberal Christian, conservative Christian. No, I'm just a Christian. I just follow Jesus. And so we need to evaluate our actions. There's my filter saying, hey, I'm going to look through God's Word and say that's how I'm going to live my life. The ideals of unity in our marriage and our family with others, believers. Or maybe that lady, you know, at Bible study, she gave you that one look. Are you going to go home and tell your husband, can you believe Barbara Jan gave me that look? Oh, my goodness. No, it's our actions. We're going to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to love people. I'm going to commit to not being divisive because the world is already divisive. And then number three, when it comes to unity, is this. We need to control our thoughts, opinions, and attitude. Control our thoughts, opinions, and attitude. 1 Corinthians 10, see his his solution to this. It says, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose, spiritual activity, worship, and mission. Colossians 3.2, Paul writes a little later on, and he says this, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I think a lot of times when it comes to our attitude, our opinions, our thoughts that we share, we need to speak once but think Think twice. Are we saying, hey, am I am I being concerned with the issues that are here that are lateral? Or am I saying, hey, I'm going to focus on the vertical things? God, is this pleasing to you? God, am I, am I, am I pursuing, pursuing you? Or are we quick to say, let me share with you my opinion, let me tell you my thoughts. Let's march through it. Paul's like saying, ho, 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 hold on to your thoughts. Hold on to your opinions. Evaluate them consistently. And let's talk about that because here's what we really all need to be focusing on in 1 Corinthians 1:17. Paul says this: For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news. That's our mission, church. That is why we exist, to reach people who are far from God, to come into a growing, life-changing relationship. Not with clever speech, he says not with our, our own abilities, none of that. He simply says, for the fear that the, cross, that the cross of Christ would lose its power, he says, none of that matters except that we preach the good news of what Jesus has done on the Christ. We have to control our thoughts, our opinions, and our attitude. If we're gonna represent what it means to follow Jesus, we need to do those things. Everyone needs a cause to get behind, right? Nowadays, your cause for this, you're, there's a cause for that. Hey, get behind this purpose. And what the world has, that, or what the world is lacking, we have, we have the cause. His name's Jesus. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different in how we're going to close out our service. Because right now, you and I know, maybe you've grown up with the mentality of, hey, United States of America that we all come together around a rallying cause it's really hey let's be united church in America because right now I mean it's divided you can't talk to a neighbor and mention any one of from politics to religion to you hear people now with what was been voted and passed through and you hear these people now oh man it's it's the Christian God and your heart breaks See, people aren't looking through a biblical lens like you and I are. Church, now more than ever, we need to be a united church that's saying, hey, no matter what the world throws our way, I know I can rely on my brother and sister. I know I'm controlling my thoughts. I'm gonna evaluate my actions. And I'm gonna speak in harmony. I'm gonna live in harmony with the person to my right or my left. We gotta be that example that we wanna see in our community so people say, there's something different about you. There's something enticing about you. Yeah, you know why that is? Because I'm united with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not living this life alone. I'm living it in faith. I'm living it with family. I'm living it united with people who are pursuing Jesus in a growing relationship with Jesus, right, church? That's our focus, the things above, not the things right here. Hey, what can I do to follow and pursue pursue Jesus to the best of my ability? So today, as we close, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. We're going to enter into what we call a declaration of unity. I'm going to ask you to say these words on the screen or maybe in the lower third if you're joining us online, wherever you're at because as a church, we are committing and we are declaring our unity with one another, that when we leave here, we can make a difference to those who are far off, far removed, who are questioning our all mighty Lord and Savior, Jesus. We need each other. So say these words with me. Today and for the days to come, as a church, we will have unity of mind, sympathy for those who are hurting, love for everyone, a heart that receives, a humility that leads, and may we seek opportunities to share the love of Jesus. Church, that is our mission. That is our cause. Let's live united. Thank you for being here this morning.
0: Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.